Hello, and welcome to this 26th episode of the Eaching with Clarity podcast. Thank you for listening. For a change this time, I thought I'd share a reading of my own that you might find interesting. It's one I asked years ago, probably, about what makes for a good question to the oracle. So, yes, very meta. It's a question question. I asked it because this is something I think about quite a lot, ever since I noticed how much trouble people create for themselves with muddly questions. The frustrating thing is that by the time someone's getting stuck on interpretation, the question isn't visible as the source of the problem. All you can see is the imagery and structure of the answer, and it's not at all obvious that the reason you're finding it so hard to relate to is that you started off with this giant ball of muddle where your question needed to be. So anyway, that's a bit of a hobby horse of mine, and I'll try not to beat it to death. There's a lesson about it in the free Beginner's Eaching course on the website, and a whole module devoted to questions in the Foundations course in Change Circle. It's not hard to advise on the basics, really. Ask one thing at a time. Know what you're asking. Know what you're asking the oracle to talk about. Still, once you get beyond the basics, there's more nuance to it. I think different questions work for different people. And anyway, I was curious to see what ye would say if I asked an open-ended question question. So I asked... What are the characteristics of a good question? Ye answered with hexagram 16, enthusiasm, changing at line 2 to hexagram 40, release. I think this has a classic reading structure. 16 is the nature of the question, and 40 the attitude of the questioner. And then the moving line, 16 line 2, is pretty much the image of a perfect question. I'll take this in the same order I would for someone else's reading, as I think it comes together well that way. The primary hexagram is 16. I know in my translation I called hexagram 16 enthusiasm, but I think I'm changing my mind, and I want to call it anticipating. The Chinese word can mean something as general and anodyne as pleased or happy, but I found the hexagram refers to a particular kind of enthusiasm that means your imagination is fully involved and you're typically looking forward, building castles in the air as often as not, or picturing possibilities. It's a joyful anticipation that's a real source of energy in its own right, with that elephant-sized power to set things in motion. So this is the energy in a good question. It's not that all questions have to be about the future, obviously, but we're asking because we anticipate the answer can create a change for the better. And because we believe that's possible, we're looking forward to it. Someone who was completely content with the status quo or completely despairingly resigned to it wouldn't consult the oracle at all. So there should be something at a really basic level that's joyful about consulting. For goodness sakes, we have an oracle to talk with, and we know it's going to talk to us. There's always got to be some sense of awe joy around this. The oracle says, 
anticipating it's fruitful to set up feudal lords and mobilize the armies. That gives you a picture of the question as an energetic impulse that sets things in motion. Only, what are those feudal lords and armies? Well, the feudal lords were the ruler's network, his way of connecting and communicating across a wider area. A clod of earth from the central altar would be carried out to the regional altars, making it all one land. And the army is a way to hold or expand your territory. So overall, there's this feeling of a question having strong outward momentum. Perhaps that's a practical drive towards implementation, towards having the power to make a tangible difference. A good question could be one with the greatest potential to galvanize you and get you moving. Only, of course, not all readings need to be about action in the outer world. The inner shifts and new ways of seeing are at least as powerful. Maybe the key is 16 cents of expansion. Those feudal lords are your network of connection, and a good question makes you more robustly and deeply and widely connected with your experience. When you have feudal lords and an active army, your world gets bigger. Then there's the trigram picture, thunder over the earth. Or, as the image text has it, thunder coming out of the earth with vigour. The idea was that thunder slept through the winter in the depths of the earth and erupted from it in spring. So this is a picture of an impulse, a great surge of rising energy, with all the inner capacity, the latent power of earth, channeled upward and outward into the thunder. You'll notice it is not a picture of someone formulating their question with care, crossing out the first few drafts, and conscientiously making sure they've got the wording exactly right. Thunder bursts forth from the earth, anticipating. The ancient kings made music to honour virtue. They celebrated and worshipped the Supreme Lord, joining with their ancestors. The ancient kings were making music, of course, not questions. It might be a bit much to expect questions to be joyful and celebratory. Mine certainly mostly aren't, and I'm not even sure that makes sense as an ideal. But we can keep the idea of something that bursts forth. Thunder comes out of Earth, fun, vigorously. The character shows wings over the fields, and it means to spread one's wings, fly up, or rush up. Maybe instead of thunder bursts forth from the earth, I should have said it soars. This is an expression of the soul, something emergent. Is there anything else I want to say about hexagram 16? I think probably just the way it isn't hexagram 15, integrity or humility. These two hexagrams form a pair, of course. And on the face of it, you might have thought that hexagram 15 was a better place for a question to come from. It has so much more balance and realism than 16, which is really bouncing around all over the shop. Shouldn't we ask questions with the qualities of hexagram 15? 
realism and practicality and humility and a willingness to do the work? Well, apparently not. Maybe a certain bouncy confidence, not caring too much about what it says, is important. And if that sounds obviously wrong, as it sort of does, think of people who become too anxious about what the oracle might say to ask it anything in the first place. This is something that happens. You need to be confident you can cope with the answer, whatever it is. Actually, I'd almost say you need to be prepared to ignore it. Well, no, not to ignore it. You pay attention, you take it seriously. But you also reserve the freedom to say, thank you, I do see what you're saying, and I'm going to do what feels right to me anyway. Because asking an oracle to be your teacher and mentor is not the same as inviting it to be your boss. Also, questions do need to go a step beyond pure realism, don't they? Imagining is important. Wondering, how could this be different? Other worlds are possible. Other realities might be available. You don't want to be too grounded. Since I've already started talking about freedom, this must be a good time to move on to the relating hexagram, 40, release, which is the hexagram for complete freedom of action. Its name means untying or loosening, explaining or solving, and liberation, getting free from something. In the same way that hexagram 16 isn't 15, so release isn't 39, limping and difficulties. Actually, release also means slack or careless, and the Zagua says that while limping means hardship, release means letting things take their time. It's untied, the opposite of being all knotted up and straight-laced. This is not meant to be hard work. The oracle of hexagram 40 has this teasing obviousness to it. Release, the southwest is fruitful. With no place to go, to turn round and come back is good fortune. With a direction to go, daybreak, good fortune. Well, of course, with no place to go, it's good to come back. And with a direction to go, it's good to start early. Why would anyone overcomplicate this? Except we always do, of course. So, what are the characteristics of a good question? It's the voice of anticipation and enthusiasm that liberates. This simple freedom of choice sits in the background as relating hexagram. Which doesn't mean that every question has to be about a decision, of course. Though with many of them we'll have the aspiration to solve and get free from some especially knotty problem. To start with, the southwest is fruitful. The place to find warmth and allies. We can go in expecting to find an ally in Yi. Ready to join our thinking and attitude with the answer. And that means being ready to turn back from our way of thinking, or to follow it promptly, and not being attached to going one way or the other. A good question has to be free of assumptions, at least as far as that's ever possible. 
able to be guided in any direction. The trigram picture of release shows water inside and thunder outside, and this made the image authors think of a thunderstorm and the release of tension in the atmosphere when it finally rains. Thunder and rain do their work, release. A noble one pardons transgressions and forgives crimes. That does seem a good atmosphere to ask from. But does forgiveness have anything to do with good questions? I think it might do if you let this idea go out of focus a little, and think of phrasing a question that starts from clear ground, released from prejudice or preconceptions. And it's true that, what did I do, is normally going to be a better question than, what did I do wrong, isn't it? On to the moving line, at the intersection of anticipation and release. 16, line 2. Boundaries of stone, not for a whole day. Constancy, good fortune. This really made me smile when I first saw it. Of course a question is like boundaries of stone that don't last the day. It starts out firmly and clearly defined, and none of that will survive its first contact with the oracle. A good question is like stone boundaries or borders or armour. The word sometimes implies protection and sometimes constraint. I think in this answer it's a bit of both. The question sets boundaries to the reading experience, it lends it shape and solidity, just not for a whole day. It can't contain the experience for long. Then constancy is good fortune. That's nice because the word for constancy, jen, originally meant the act of divination. I think the idea is that when you divine, you learn the truth and you hold to it. You're loyal and constant to what you're shown. So this is the inner experience of divination, which is always going to outlast the external conditions we create for it with a question. This all reminds me that Yi answers not only the question, but the person. You hear it speak to you, and then you pay attention wherever it takes you. Constancy, good fortune. I suppose hexagram 16 in itself is an unspoken, wordless urge to connect. Do you know the feeling I mean? You can know you want to divine that you need to be talking with an oracle well before you have much idea what you'll ask. Then a good question will form a temporary container for that forward-leaping impulse towards connection. Perhaps it's more like the image than I thought. If you want to make music, you need notes to sing. Otherwise, you just make noise. If you want to talk to an oracle, you need a question. Or it's like the mobilised armies from the oracle. Something that can be a home for the energy, give it shape and presence, before it disperses back into the landscape. And that's all the reading I have for you for now. I hope it strikes a chord, as it were. The next episode isn't until the new year, 
So now is a good time for me to wish you a very warm, happy, relaxing, fulfilling holiday. And in the spirit of Hexagram 16 and the season, I've found some different music to play us out. This is a, a rather rubbish recording, I'm afraid, of the glorious first movement of Bach's Christmas Oratorio, Jauchset, Frohlocket, Auf, Preiset die Tage. Rejoice, exult, rise up and praise the day. <laughs> 